0: Behold, Behold, the mystery of the cosmos.
1: Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to a special minisode of Cryptique, We've all had a busy week with Thanksgiving, and we didn't really have time to do a full-length episode, but we decided to have a quick discussion about the Vampire of Gibson Cemetery. So enjoy! talking about the Gibson Vampire or the Gibson Cemetery Vampire or the Elvin's Vampire which is a story uh from the very early 1900s uh just south of St. Louis here in the uh lead belt area which was given the name because of all the lead mines in the area to mm-hmm. just do kind of a quick overview Uh, there were an unusual number of children that were dying in the area. And, you know, due to anti-immigrant sentiment, uh, a lot of people blamed the Hungarian miners. They were kind of like the low people on the totem pole, I guess, at the time. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah. From the research that you sent me in the Things that I read on my own, they were referred to as hunkies. I guess that would be, I don't know if that would be a racial thing back then. I guess it probably wasn't an affectionate term, but yeah, they were given the worst jobs in the mines. They were paid poorly. Uh, sounds like they yeah, weren't weren't treated all that well.
1: Yeah, and uh, I can't think of a whole lot of things that would be much worse than working in a lead mine but uh, that's just me this this man which i was unable to find a name for anywhere um was allegedly an albino which people didn't know about as much back then and most of the people probably had never seen an albino and as as you and i and our listeners know it's basically a condition where there's little to no pigment in the skin at all. So the people have, you know, bleached white skin, pink eyes, white hair. And you could see how that may put some people off and maybe, you know, scare some people just based on on this man's appearance.
0: Yeah, I think people are kind of naturally mm, suspicious, maybe. Mm -hmm. of anyone who looked different than them Mm -hmm. you know i've heard it theorized that that's like an evolutionary thing potentially Mm -hmm. that you know in the past if you were part of two isolated groups and you come together odds are nothing good's gonna happen Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know kind of like when explorers came to the new world and they brought diseases with them and brought diseases back Mm -hmm. you know not good for either population um that it might be a similar thing with that so i And that's just sort of an aside that, yeah, people are generally suspicious and wary of anything that is different. Even, um, John Panette, he had to shave his eyebrows. He's a comedian. I'm not sure if you know him.
1: Mm
0: -mm. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, but he had to shave his eyebrows for a role. Mm -hmm. And he said, it was the weirdest thing that he would go out in public. And he said, people know that something is wrong, (laughs) but they don't know exactly what it is. He said, people kind of look at him and they would just sort of move away from them because <laughs> they could just tell that something was off. But yeah. he said they wouldn't be able to put their finger on what it was right away. That's awesome. <laughs> so an albino back in the day would probably be very strange in a, in a small mining community like that. And I'm not sure that even today, living in a fairly populated area, that I've ever uh, come into contact with somebody with this condition.
1: I have seen I a few I mainly know people. it from having
0: seen... Okay. I mainly know it from having seen like animals Mm -hmm. that have it because it it has the same characteristics, you know, whether it's human or something else. Um, I've seen people who have like, you know, pets that'll have completely white fur, you know, the way a human would have white hair and, and pink or red eyes and stuff like that.
1: And some people have speculated that his skin would become damaged, you know, quickly from being out in the sun. So, working in a mine, you know, obviously there's no sunlight getting down there and that this man would only, you know, be seen out and about at night. And, you know, that would, you know, lead people to think that this was kind of a strange person too, if they didn't know that maybe his, you know, skin didn't react well to being out in the sun. But then also people have speculated that he may have had porphyria. And porphyria has actually even been called the vampire disease. Although it doesn't cause your skin to become white, like an albino type white, uh, it can get damaged by the sun very quickly and very easily. And that might be another reason why the man wouldn't come out, you know, in the daytime. And also because porphyria can be very disfiguring. You know, I mean, people, nobody wants to be laughed at or made fun of. So, you know, it would make sense that he would come out at night so he didn't have to, you know, be made fun of or, you know, see people turn away in terror or anything like that. Kind of like uh, the uh, Mr. No-Face. Have you heard of that story?
0: I haven't, no. Uh,
1: well, we'll cover it a different time. But it's a guy that uh, in this this town, I don't know where it was at, but people uh, reported seeing this, you know, what they thought was a ghost or a zombie walking around at night and that they had no face. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, it's an urban legend, you know, just like certain towns have this, certain towns have that. We've got the no face guy. And then it came out later that it was somebody that was very disfigured and he just didn't want to see people. So he took long, long walks at night and people would drive past him and see his face and think he was a ghost or a zombie or something like that.
0: That leads into something that I was researching as well, that it, it seems that some people theorize that this guy I say theorize. I'm not sure what the right term for it is. It's a lot of what we know about this story seems to be word of mouth passed down from family to family. Or mm-hmm. even one article that I found said that it's mostly told from teenager to teenager mm-hmm. as a, a ghost story. But the idea is that this guy might have also been kind of cruel and had a mm-hmm. really um, kind of messed up sense of humor. Mean and that this would... Yeah, that it would have probably come from having this condition and not being understood and people making fun of him and picking on him and that he would have just become kind of hard. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he that apart from just the issues with maybe sunlight bothering him, that he might not have wanted to come out, like you're saying, and be seen by people and ridiculed, but that he also may have had a tendency, according to some stories, to play practical jokes on people or you know just do things that would have not helped his reputation let's say
1: some stories contradicted each other uh but i was able to find one story where he apparently had been getting blamed for these children going missing probably because of the way he looked and possibly because of his reputation as just being a mean person or a you know an old curmudgeon or whatever And he just, you know, blew up. He was just furious and he reacted and said, yeah, I did kill the children and I ate them. Hmm. And that's not a smart move, uh, you know, back then because, and even today, but especially back then, because of, you know, kind of a mob mentality was a little bit more accepted. I think back then, whereas now, Uh, If somebody said they killed the kid, you would expect most people to, you know, call the police where Mm -hmm. as back then they would get their pitchforks and their torches and come and take care of business. But apparently they hanged him, I guess. Uh, Yeah. And so they they hanged him because they they thought it was a sincere confession that didn't work out too well.
0: No. And that. That's something that I only found in a couple places where um, it was readers submitted stories or posts, uh, some from older websites, you know, stating that that this guy was hanged and it wasn't found out until long after the fact that, you know, he didn't really do yeah. anything. Um, and part of what seems to have perpetuated this story is. I, I think the odd grave so once this man died most of the articles that i've found just say when he died he was purposely buried far away from where the children were or where he could cause any harm because they believed he might have been a vampire mm-hmm. that he was buried uh one of the users submitted posts said that he that they poured cement on top of his grave too but i didn't mm-hmm. see that anywhere else but it does seem that he was at least buried you know, kind of off on his own with a wrought iron fence around it and crosses hung up to try to keep him from mm-hmm. rising up.
1: Well, no, I, I Go was going to say, I've actually been to Gibson cemetery. It is kind of hard to find. We, uh, my friend and I went, um, it was the fall. Uh, not all the leaves were off the trees, but it was probably half the leaves mm-hmm. had already fallen by then. And the cemetery is very spread out. Um, we are used to seeing cemeteries where, uh, people are buried every, you know, six feet or so, uh, maybe, maybe 10 feet. Yeah.
0: Kind of like, uh, right. Yeah. When most of my family are buried in, uh, mm-hmm. Jefferson barracks. So I'm used to that where it's just very, very yeah. orderly. So when you see one of these, this is described as being pretty much abandoned. And
1: it is, it's, it's got, um, it's got old growth forest all throughout. So it's not like it was, um, a clean pasture where they buried people and then it, it, you know, kind of fell into disrepair and then trees grew. I mean, we're talking trees that are hundreds of years old, growing all over the cemetery. So it's not like a plot of land. It's it's like, basically what it looks like to me is just a bunch of people buried in the woods. And I was actually able to find a couple graves that had these wrought iron fences around them and Hmm. I don't I, I can understand how it makes a great story to say oh they built this wrought iron fence around it and it would you know keep him from getting out to kill the rest of the children or whatever and in reality I mean it did have points on the top of the you know the fencing but you could get in or get out if you wanted to. I mean, it's not like it was, you know, like bent down over where he would uh have to dig himself out from, if that makes any sense. Like it, it didn't it yeah. didn't like converge over the top of where the coffin would be underground. It was strictly just a fence around it. And what it looked like to me is it was to keep people out. From like getting the, the headstones and stuff.
0: Yeah. One of the posts that I read about this area said that um some of the gravestones may not be missing, but they there may not have been any there. There are a few people who claim to have been part of the family that owned this plot or used it originally. And they said that in in some cases, because of fears of grave robbing and things like that, they would not Mm -hmm. permanently mark where a grave was. They might leave some kind of temporary marker or something that, you know, some indicator that meant something to the family. But if you were in there looking for something, you you might not think Mm -hmm. anything of it. So it's hard to say who's there. And I could definitely see the vampire story being a cautionary tale to keep kids out. Especially if it's a pointed Mm -hmm. fence. It's like, stay away from there. Stay away from there. There's a vampire in there. You know, cautionary tales are usually to serve some purpose. In some cases, you know, the danger is really what they're telling you it is. Mm -hmm. In other cases, it might just be something to keep, you know, a curious kid away from there. Because a kid's not going to be afraid of those spikes. But an adult would be afraid of a kid falling onto them. And the only documentation that I could find... You know, it was a thing from the Daily Journal online, an article from 2002 where they were talking about, you know, that nobody really knows exactly who's buried there or how many people. They say that the cemetery, which is located off Hovis Farm Mm -hmm. Road in Park Hills, was owned by William Riley Gibson uh, sometime in the mid-1800s. And that a lot of burials took place there, but were probably not recorded. So they were talking to Sharon Douglas, who's a person who says she has a lot of relatives there, and they were able to track down a man named Moses mm-hmm. Middleton, who is most likely buried there, but doesn't have a marker. And they have doc they have documentation that he was part of the 50th Missouri Volunteer Infantry. In the Civil Mm -hmm. War, it looks like. And they have records of a pension application and some medical stuff from him. He apparently came down with some kind of sickness. They thought Mm -hmm. he had measles. So the fact that they bring this up as like, look, we actually have documentation to somebody (laughs) shows how badly documented the rest of them were and how easy it would be to perpetuate a myth like that or a scary story. Yeah, and I
1: read uh about his plight if it's the same person that i think you're talking about that he he had measles and he had to like hike through miles and miles of like snow and wade through uh hip deep water and stuff like that and i'm like oh my gosh same guy i'm you know i'm sitting here with a cold like oh you know honey can you bring me a soda and this guy's got measles and he's hiking through (laughs) snow and oh I felt like a puss but but yeah so that (laughs) that's that's a tough guy right there that guy yeah he had some gumption I, I think some of this may have to do with the fact too that you know we didn't understand communicable diseases as much and I think that it's fair to assume that perhaps some of these people thought if you come in contact with a person that, you know, is an albino, you might catch it. You might catch albinism Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, or, or porphyria. And that might be a good reason to keep people out of the graveyard or, you know, there was a, um, a theory that most of these children in the area were dying of diphtheria. And
0: yeah, that is a theory I saw as well.
1: And so those are all good reasons why you would want to keep people out of that graveyard, because who knows at that time, if you dig someone up, uh, you know, like you were saying for grave robbing, well, then maybe that just unleashes another diphtheria epidemic in the town.
0: Is it pronounced diphtheria? Why what? Okay. I know that we were yelled at it uh, we were yelled at about it by a listener when I was on the radio years ago. It wasn't me doing a broadcast, but I remember one of my coworkers uh said it the wrong
1: way. Somebody got mad,
0: huh? <laughs> yeah, and we got a call on the listener line and he was like, Tell the dumbass on the on the mic that it's whatever the right pronunciation was. <laughs> And I remembered it for a long time, but now it's one of those things I thought about so much. I'm not sure that that I know the correct way anymore. All right,
1: let's see. Here we go. Diphtheria. Yep.
0: Diphtheria, okay.
1: Yeah, screw that guy. We're saying it right. I don't know how, I mean, that seems like the most common way you would say it. I don't know, maybe they were saying diphtheria, or I don't know.
0: I think I think what they might have been saying, the pers- the broadcaster might have been saying Uh-oh. diphtheria. Oh, gotcha. Just kind of skipping over it, you know, making it a softer P sound. Or maybe they called it
1: diphtheria. It's something
0: that's <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't got some real bad diphtheria, remember. man. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I was usually doing my own thing. I didn't pay too much attention to what everybody else was up to. Unless it was, you know, the end of a segment and I had to transfer over right. to somebody else or whatever
1: so in my visit to the cemetery i did notice some of the things that the i guess legend trippers talk about in some of their posts i i do remember the sound of wind but no leaves blowing and that seemed weird to me that you could hear the wind whistling you know, through the valley, hmm. but nothing was getting blown around. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a paranormal place or anything like that, but it, it was odd. But I have seen that in other places that are not rumored to be the burial plots of vampires. So it's it's odd, but yeah, it's not that's, paranormal.
0: Yeah, that is something I've seen in a couple of other places that People who go there hear or feel wind and don't see anything Mm -hmm. moving with it. I've also seen the opposite, that they'll see trees waving or leaves tumbling, but there's Mm -hmm. no wind that they can feel associated with it. Personally, I think this is a case of people hearing this story over a long period of time, and it is kind of Mm -hmm. an interesting story. You know, I I could imagine it being a fun one to tell somebody who's Mm -hmm. new in town or there for a visit, you know, if it's a smaller town, because I hear stuff like that when I go visit my fiance's family, because they're from a town that's mm-hmm. fairly old, you know, in in the scope of the United States, not old for right. a European town, but it's had a fairly stable population, so it hasn't expanded a whole lot. So a lot of the things that were around way back in the day are still around and in use today. So there are all kinds of stories about people that used to live places and this old abandoned school here is haunted and the place has been abandoned, but not torn down, but not, Mm -hmm. you know, not renovated, you know, for like 30, 40 years. So all these stories can crop up. And I I think it's a thing where people are creeping themselves out and they're they're noticing things that they wouldn't otherwise notice.
1: And one thing that I, I think is important to mention is that in nineteen nineteen seventeen, 1917, September, 1917, the Washington times printed the complete serialization of Bram Stoker's Dracula or Bram Stoker's Dracula. So we know that, you know, when something comes out in pop culture like that, people tend to look for those sort of, uh, Relationships in, you know, what they see in their everyday world. So just you know, seeing right. this man that was either albino or had porphyria, um, you know, it would it would make them think like, wow, that sounds just like you know what they talk about in Dracula. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not just. I, I think, yeah, you're you're onto something when you say it's people just kind of scaring themselves and enjoying to spread the fear to others a little bit.
0: Yeah. I knew, I can't remember any of the good stories about it, but I knew a girl in high school whose family lived on a plot that was kind of at the time towards the edge of town. You know, the area where I live is starting has been expanding for like the last 20 years. So it's not really you know, the outskirts of town mm-hmm. anymore, but there was one grave. Don't know why her family didn't know why it was there when they bought it. The people before it didn't know anything about it, but there was a a single grave with oddly enough, like a fence around it and a little monument inside mm-hmm. it. And they would kind of talk about it every once in a while. And I know they shared some little stories about it, but I think that was just something to, kind of amuse themselves yeah. and to have an answer to why is there a grave like way back here in your yard (laughs) as as opposed to just going "I i don't know it's just always been there and we you know why would we move it
1: iron grave enclosures or fences are often seen in older cemeteries especially around a single grave or a family plot. The wrought iron fence was usually made by the local blacksmith and could include some commercial cast iron parts, such as pinnacles, and could also be fabricated from commercial bar stock. And the two key reasons are to define the cemetery boundaries and to protect gravestones from animals, such as wandering cattle. That would kind of make sense if you have livestock, you know, roaming around out there that you would want to keep them out of a particular grave or, you know, there's, it's not like we come up on this, you know, fenced in grave area and there's a headstone that says Gibson vampire. It's unreadable (laughs) and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, decrepit and broken and stuff like that. And we don't even have a real name for the guy. So the ones that are actually surrounded by the wrought iron fence could be just a symbol that they're more important people in the community and they wanted their graves protected from, you know, wandering cattle or, you know, anything like that, or just right. as a for aesthetic or, purposes.
0: Yeah. Or just that at the time, you know, a hundred years ago, that part of the cemetery was prone to having animals wander yeah. into it because the stories do seem to mostly agree that this is further away from most of the known grave sites in this Mm -hmm. area. Yeah. I've always thought of the fences as being, you know, something that was more prestigious. Yeah. But there's a lot that I don't know about how any of this stuff works or what things mean. You know, I've been, like I said, a lot of my family's buried at Jefferson barracks Mm -hmm. and I see the coins on top of the graves, but I, I never remember what that means. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, something as common as that, that I see all the time out there, I, I have to look up from time to time, because I just, i if I look it up, I don't retain mm-hmm. it. By the way, it means that somebody outside of that soldier's family has been to visit the gravesite. Mm-hmm. It's an indicator when the family comes to visit that somebody else has been there to, to pay their respects, I suppose. Gotcha. But yeah, I think there's a lot with that kind of etiquette that maybe doesn't Translate well over time? Yeah.
1: All right. Well, you got anything else on Gibson Vampire? No. I don't either. No, it was a neat
0: little folklore story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't like that a lot of kids die. Yeah. Sad that there was a reason for the story to crop up, but it is kind of a cool local legend.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's Quick Hit episode on the Gibson Vampire on Cryptique. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and email case suggestions to CryptiquePodcast at gmail.com. Have a nice evening.